A reading from the Gospel according to St. John. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. The word of the Lord. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. When I was about uh, four, maybe five years old, um, I was at my... Uh, preschool slash what later became my daycare uh, when I was in elementary school. That's why I don't know what age I was, but young. Um, my father came to pick me up uh, one day, and uh, we were leaving, and there were still some children there, and there's this one little girl who was like outside of the ga- just outside of the gates, um, playing by herself quietly with a ball, um, just really into the moment uh, with this ball. And I saw her there, and I said, I was walking with my father, and I said, hey, let me see that ball. And she gave me the ball, and I just took it, and I kicked it. And it went, like, really far over the fence. And my dad just was livid. I remember him saying, what do you think you're doing? And it was the first time, this is beside the point, but this is the first time in my life that I feel like I really felt evil that that I could do. Um, but for some reason, I was possessed to just sort of interrupt um, this moment that she was in of pure joy and just to crush it by, you know, kicking this ball so far away that she couldn't uh, get to it. And my dad, uh, you know, intervened on her behalf and uh, laid it into me. On the flip side of the equation, when I was a little bit older, um, maybe about 10, 12 years old or so, I was in San Francisco on the beach, uh, my aunt and uncle used to live a few blocks away from Ocean Beach in San Francisco, and um, we would often go. It sounds worse than it, it is because San Francisco, the beach, is so foggy. It's not paradise. I mean, you go out there, and it's just kind of gray and depressing. But we were there walking on the beach, and I was joyfully kind of playing, uh, you know, picking up rocks and seashells or something. And then all of a sudden, bam, this guy who was jogging just ran into me and laid me out. I mean, I'm just imagine, you know, baseball players running for home plate and hit the, the, the umpire and knock them down. That's what it was. That's what it felt like. And uh, I, I was in his way, apparently. And that's what he said to my aunt and uncle. They were like, what in the world are you thinking? I mean, he's just a, a little boy. And the guy said, he said something like, did you see what he was doing? He was goofing off and got in my way because I was so zoned out on the moment of the the seashells and the rocks that I probably turned quickly and uh, this guy just laid into me. Um, but thank God for my aunt and uncle. My uncle was training to become a police officer and I remember he said, 
I wish I were a cop. <laughs> I wish I wish it were like three months in the future. Um, but you know, they're saying he's just a kid. I mean, there's no excuse for this. I mean, don't don't defend yourself. What you've done is is wrong. Apologize, you know. And don't we often do that? You know, we do things and we we say, well, you know, I was just this, that, and the other thing, and you know, blah blah blah. Um, but uh, and and you might think also of a similar uh, classic example of something like this, uh, the classic uh, innocent child victim from literature uh, might be Cosette from Les Miserables. If you've read that or know the play or the film that came out several years ago, uh, you know, this poor girl who's um, just almost devoid of character because she's been so beat up by life and She's in the the inn, the the saloon, as it looks in the the movie with what's his name, Sasha Bear. Uh, how do you say his name? The guy who played Borat, Master of the House. Da 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 da. Um, well, Cosette's the little girl who's there, uh, and they just abuse her. And Jean Valjean rescues her from this situation uh, that would basically uh, lead probably to a premature death, and she's able to to live a, a better life, just in the way that you know my dad intervened. On this little other girl's little, this little uh, uh, girl's behalf, uh, when I uh, was abusive to her, um, or when my aunt and uncle intervened on behalf of me, when this guy uh, laid into me on the beach, Jesus does something quite similar here in our uh, tale about uh, Judas and Mary. Mary, the sister of uh, of Lazarus, six days before the Passover, she's spending some time. Uh, with Jesus and her sister Martha and Lazarus, and they're having a meal. And I mean, and they just ra- he's just raised Lazarus from the dead, by the way. And here they are uh, having this meal. Um, and uh, Mary takes some uh, perfume and anoints Jesus with it. And it's obviously expensive, probably a little less than what someone might make in those days in one year. I mean, think about that. Uh, how expensive this perfume would be. And Judas's response is, uh, you know, what are you doing? We could have used that money for the poor. Um, and it's this sort of false idea, as uh, John says in the gospel, that he actually did care about the poor because he didn't. You know, he just like the guy on the beach who said, well, did you see what uh, what, what I was doing, what the boy was doing on the beach? Um uh, th- that's not really the, the, the main issue. I mean, his, his thoughts are elsewhere. He wants to steal from the money bags. He doesn't actually care about the poor. And then Jesus comes to her defense and says, leave her alone. Leave her alone. And what looks like kind of ridiculous to the world, this woman taking perfume that is about a year's wages and putting it on her hair and anointing his feet with it, uh, most of the world would look upon that as Ju- Judas does and s- say, that's, that's quite strange. What in the world are you doing? Um, and we might uh, behave that way towards others in life. And meanwhile, G- Jesus says to Judas, leave her alone. What she's doing is perfectly fine. It's okay. Uh, you'll always have the poor with you, but you won't always have me. And this... Uh, Behavior is common, I find, something quite similar amongst Christians. Or you could say the church that's like this. Calling a bad thing good and calling a good thing bad. Judas basically was calling a good thing bad. 
but often uh, people go around on the, the flip side of the equation and call uh, bad things good. Did you see the news about uh, the pastor from Atlanta, the megachurch pastor, Andy Stanley, uh, a couple weeks ago? He, uh, and I guess it was a sermon. He was basically um, uh, speaking poorly about small churches saying people who go to small churches are selfish. That was the gist of what he was saying, um, that uh, it's a kind of a narcissistic endeavor that you should be a part of a larger church because there's uh, you know, opportunities for you to serve and whatnot, whereas if you're in a small church like this congregation, you know, it's sort of navel-gazing because it's really about you. Um, uh, calling a good thing bad. Um, and he actually, a couple days later, said, yeah, I was a jerk. <laughs> what I said was wrong. I mean, uh, praise God for that, because uh, most of the time people don't repent in that way. But uh, you might have heard other pastors saying similar kinds of things that are kind of ridiculous, or other Christian leaders. Uh, and it can come on the opposite end of the spectrum as well, um, whereas that's more of a sort of conservative evangelical world. Now in the Episcopal Church, which is run largely by sort of a liberal movement at the wider um, spectrum, I see something interesting happen where, uh, whereas in the past, uh, maybe uh, people who are theologically liberal weren't sort of in charge, now they are. I mean, that's just the case of the Episcopal Church at its, uh, at its uh, largest, at its highest echelon. Uh, and don't read into what I'm saying. I'm just making an observation about human nature, about what's happening now that the sort of liberal wing is in charge. Um, what it's not enough to just be in power. Uh, what I'm seeing is it's not enough to just be in power. They almost would like to see the other side be eliminated entirely. Um, uh, if, 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 if I don't agree with you, I'd like you to go away. <laughs> I'd like you not to be here. Um, uh, it's not like uh, the Reconstruction in the South, where uh, you know a sort of uh, 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 you know hand was uh, put out to the other side. It's more like elimination. And there's something in our canons now called Title IV, which you don't need to know about. But this was that is sort of um, uh, these uh, uh, canons about how to sort of. Uh, suspend people or punish people um, that have come up in the last sort of 10, 15 years uh, as a result of this sort of the liberal wing being in power. And uh, it's funny because now the Title IV canons are actually being used against themselves. Um, and But anyway, that's all beside the point. What's happening uh, is that we want uh, not the other side to exist. Uh, on, on, on both sides, there's a, a misunderstanding of, of the point, calling a bad thing good and a good thing bad, no matter where you are. Um, you might see this also elsewhere with emphasis in churches on doing, on activity. There's so much emphasis in churches on activity. Um, uh, you, people like to quote uh, St. James in saying, be therefore doers of the word, uh, which, is, uh, which is perfectly fine, uh, but sort of this overemphasis, almost uh, sort of minimizing the word and sacrament ministry, that if all you're doing is preaching the word and taking the sacrament, that's not enough. You need to uh, be doers of the word. Don't just hear it, but do. That's where the emphasis should be. There was a church in a town that we used to live in that sort of took this to heart so much that they put all their energy into their food pantry ministry, uh, spending their endowment, this historic church that's hundreds of years old, 
taking their endowment down and down and down to have a, a food pantry ministry that the church basically became defunct. It went bankrupt um, because it was short-sighted about the sort of idea that what we need to do, as Judas would say, is we have this expensive ointment, uh, give it to the poor. Uh, well, and then the church goes away because it has no more money, uh, calling uh, a bad thing good and a good thing bad. And meanwhile, Jesus calls a thing what it is. Meanwhile, Jesus is the only one in the room who calls a thing what it is, telling the truth. Leave her alone. Leave him alone. Leave them alone. Do you remember the um, the uh, the Eric Burden and the Animals song? Uh, I'm just a soul whose intentions are good. Uh, please don't let me be misunderstood. I'm just a soul. And I think it was Nina Simone who um, first sang this famously, but then they made it even more famous. I'm just a soul whose intentions are good. Oh, Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood. I, I, you know, I often say the, the prayer at the beginning of my sermon, um, uh, may the words of my mouth, etc. I think what I should often say is, I'm just a soul whose intentions are good. Oh, Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood. Um, but you've been there before. You've been there before. You've, you've felt that way before. When you hear that song, it should resonate with you. It does with me. I remember once I was driving in a car and I just put that song, I don't know what state I was in, but I put that song on repeat like seven times because it spoke to my soul so much. Um, and uh, you could probably empathize with the sentiment of leave me alone. <laughs> leave me alone. You know, no matter what it is, there's probably something out there in life that makes you want to say, Leave me alone. Uh, just one more story. Uh, also, when I was living back in San Francisco one day, and I was an adult, I was in my 20s, and I was out on a bike ride, uh, and I found this empty lot where there was this um, this group of pigeons on the ground, and I rode through them, and I noticed that they didn't fly off. They just sort of ran, and maybe they kind of flapped their wings and went five feet away, but they didn't fly off because they're so accustomed to people. And I decided to just sort of ride my bike around the pigeons, and they would just sort of scoot around me. And I thought it was hilarious, and I was just sort of in the zone. Uh, and then all of a sudden, driving by in a car, this man shouts out the window, I hope the pigeons poo on you. And he didn't say poo. He said something else. Um, and uh, I was just sort of taken out of the zone, you know. And we often see people who are kind of happy or in this place, and we can't stand it. We can't stand it, that we uh, we need to sort of crush that moment for some reason. Either we intervene like this guy did in the car saying, I hope the pigeons poo on you, or we just sort of feel this way. When we see someone um, who's uh, in this place of, of joy and happiness or perhaps even connecting with God in the way that uh, that Mary was. And maybe you've been there before. Maybe you've had a, a similar experience and know that, Jesus is your defender. He's your advocate. When so much of the world um, is this uh, feeling of being soul-crushing, no matter what it is, whether it's the demands or obligations of life or it's someone taking your red ball and kicking it over the fence or um, you know, you're happily on the beach and someone just plows into you or maybe you felt like Cosette and Les Miserables um, a prisoner to some sort of situation, and wouldn't it be great to have somebody like Jean Valjean to take you and defend you and say, leave her alone, leave him alone, leave them alone. You don't need to say leave me alone because Jesus 
is your defender and advocate uh, when the world is crushing you with its judgments and demands. Now, let me just end by um, uh, sharing with you the collect. Um, actually, two collects. Two of my favorite collects. The collects are the fancy prayer. Is a fancy word for prayers uh, that we often have at the beginning of the service in communion. But within evening prayer, it's later in the context of the service. We haven't read it yet. Let me, two of my favorite uh, historic collects of the Anglican tradition are during Lent. Let me read those to you and say something about them with respect to all that I've said about leave her alone, leave me alone. This is the third, here the, the cog for the third Sunday in Lent we had two weeks ago. Almighty God, who see us that we have no power of ourselves to help ourselves, keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul through Jesus Christ our Lord, etc., uh, defend us from all adversities which may happen not only to the body, but also evil thoughts which may assault and hurt our soul. And know that uh, not only can we pray for it here, but it is true, just as Jesus intervened on Mary's behalf and said, leave her alone, he does so uh, for you. When you feel that things are hurting your body and assaulting your soul, know that there is a future hope that we have defense in Jesus Christ. And let me also read to you the collect for today, the fifth Sunday in Lent, one of my absolute favorites. O Almighty God, who alone canst order the unruly wills and affections of sinful men, grant unto thy people that they may love the thing which thou commandest and desire that which thou dost promise, that so among the sundry and manifold changes of the world our hearts may surely there be fixed, where true joys are to be found. Um, Often the things that are like taking our red ball and kicking it aren't so plain. Um, they're the sundry and manifold changes of the world, as this colleague says, the sort of fleeting ideas of this world, whether it has to do with your profession or your family or your Facebook account or whatever it is that is out there that feels like someone running into you or um, raining on your pigeon parade uh, 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 there's so much in the world that's sundry and manifold and changing, uh, fleeting and ephemeral, and is not an everlasting uh, place of joy. But there is a place uh, where our hearts may surely there be fixed, and it is in Jesus Christ alone. And he is the one who says not only for Mary, but for you too, leave him alone. Leave her alone. Thanks be to God for him, our mediator and advocate. Amen.